Hey everyone, <laughs> welcome to our very first live episode of Paranormal. Yay! Thanks guys, thanks for showing thanks, up. Thanks everyone, <laughs> thanks for coming, you're the real ones. <laughs> so I got braces. She so got braces last week. for noticing yeah. everyone, and please be patient with me as I uh, navigate Tonight with them. A child um, cop just walked by. A child cop? Yeah. A child. Close like the blinds. A, no. <laughs> Quick. A tiny quickly. little cop just walked by. It's really cute. <laughs> so. This we're, is our Halloween episode. Yeah. This is our Halloween way. episode. We're here at the Witch's Fix. Thank you to Lauren for having us. Yes. Thank you, Lauren. And her lovely store. Um, later on in the night, we have a tarot card reader who's going to be reading uh, some tarot or doing some tarot readings for some of us. Um, it's $20 a reading, and it's just like a quick mini reading, um, so that'll be fun. Uh, today our episode is going to be based on Hamilton stories of hauntings that have happened here or are happening here. Um, right now. Currently right currently now. Right today. Now. <laughs> <laughs> and usually we start our show, for those of you who don't know or haven't heard it before, um, we start our show by reading each other our horoscopes, and then the other one kind of comments on if it rang true for the day. So we'll stay true to our theme, and we're going to do that now. Okay. So Nicolina is a Leo, and I don't think that surprises anyone that knows anything about astrology. You want to follow us so. on Instagram? We'll know. <laughs> uh, so your diplomacy is positively superhuman today. <laughs> your tact and charm will convin- convince warring parties to put down their arms and try to reach a truce at least a temporary one. You are learning that when you have an honest desire to maintain goodwill between people, you can almost always find a way to do so. Test the limits of the influence that you have over people, but be sure that you're using it selflessly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that just isn't even today, close. Eh? Today. I didn't think so based Not on... Not today. Like, it was... No. Based it was on a, combos. Like, I was just, like, completely withdrawn today i don't think i associated with anyone i i literally instagram dm'd like my account manager at work and was just like i'm sorry but i can't go to today's meeting yeah like can't do anything so i mean maybe i just like oh come in come in (laughs) we've got more people coming in (laughs) hi guys welcome we are mid recording right now so take a seat welcome (laughs) you guys can shop around after yeah. <laughs> okay, so my horoscope, not true for today. Okay. Um, okay, so Gemini. Any Geminis in here? I feel like a lot of people are Geminis. No, no Geminis. Okay, Just well, me. There we go. Just <laughs> There's a topsy-turvy energy affecting all of your people today, especially their family dynamics. The children may be showing a surprise amount of maturity, while the adults are behaving childish and moody. When they don't get what they want, they're going to moan and groan about it. This role reversal will be quite amusing, and there's no need to worry that a bit of good-natured teasing will hurt anyone's feelings. In fact, it will likely lighten the mood. Oh. Okay. Your parents acting childish? No. My dad came over today. He was lovely. Mm -hmm. He helped me with a lot going on at my house. Mm -hmm. Um, No, but... These horoscopes are not hopeful. No, it's fine. Um... I was thinking, like, am I the immature adult today? Well, you were topsy-turvy trying to drive around. I was topsy-turvy today for sure. She took us All day was topsy-turvy, yeah. though. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say, like, part of that is true for sure. Okay. 
Okay, cool. Well, that's great. Great. So, <laughs> awesome. So, um, I'm going to start with my story yes, first. Yeah. Uh, and I wrote it, I wrote it in my phone. So, <laughs> so I'm going to, I don't know if anyone here is familiar with any of the hauntings in Hamilton. Okay, great. I'm glad. Like, yeah. That's good, because you're going to learn about one of them today. Two of them, but this one's really good. So <laughs> I'm going to do the story of the dark lady who haunts the custom house in Hamilton. I got my information from ghostwalks.com. There was an article in the Hamilton Spectator that was written by Molly Hayes. Hauntedhamilton.com. Hamiltonnews.com. Uh, an article written by Gord Bowes. TorontoGhosts.org and the spook, sh- the spooksnoop.com and the book Haunted Hamilton, which was written by Mark Klein. She really wants those citing points. I just want you guys to know it. these people did hard work to research this, so they should be. <laughs> I went to school for journalism; they should be cited accordingly. Yes. Okay. So, uh, so first, I was going to give some background on the building. The custom house is located at 51 Stewart Street in Hamilton, Ontario, and it is a designated national historical site, and it was built between 1858 and 1860. It's one of the oldest formerly federal buildings in Canada, and it's one of Hamilton's most well-known architectural landmarks. The building has been home to many things, but was first used as a location for the customs department where officials would handle the paperwork for goods that were entering and leaving the city of Hamilton. Mm -hmm. Uh, They eventually moved to the corner of King and John, which is just around the corner, uh, in 1887, And over the years, the Custom House was also home to the Hamilton Board of Education, Hamilton's first YWCA, the Associated Charities of Hamilton, the Woodhouse Invigorator Company, the Computing Company, the Ontario Yarn Company, and my personal favorite, uh, the Naples Macaroni Company. Nice. (laughs) So... Uh, The Naples Macaroni Company also used to manufacture donuts on the first floor of the building, Uh, but this caused rats and bugs to infest it, which led to the company spraying it with pesticides, which contaminated the food, so then the health department shut them down. The building ended up sitting abandoned and was decaying until 1988, which is arguably the greatest year in history, because that's when Nicolina and I made our debut to the world. Uh, Thanks, guys. Uh, it's, it's fine. I'll take it. Uh, and uh, it then became... Oh, wait. Sorry. So in 1988, the yeah, provincial 1988. government... Spent, yeah. No, I know. In 1988, the provincial government spent $400,000 on restoring the building. It then became a martial arts academy and a computer company until the Ontario Workers' Art and Heritage Centre bought it in 1995 because they wanted to create a museum celebrating the working class people of Hamilton, and it is still there today. Also, Haunted Hamilton hosts their annual Halloween ball there. It's their 20th anniversary. They're hosting it tomorrow, and it's like my dream to go to one of those Halloween balls, maybe next year. Um, We're supposed to have spooky stuff here, but because she's putting on She's putting on the ball tomorrow. She does not have the time, which obviously... Yeah, we understand. Thank you for sitting through my history lesson. I hope I did Mr. Rinaldi proud. He was my history teacher. <laughs> so, I'm sure you. he'll be listening to this I, episode. Pr- probably. Yeah. Um, anyway, so the Custom House has a rich history of those who have occupied it, obviously, as I just mentioned, um, but it is also rich with tales of hauntings. The building's most notable haunting is that of the Dark Lady, but it is also said that more than 25 spirits roam the Custom House. Sick. Yeah. 
Sorry, did someone say something? Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, I have a, I, I can answer questions. That's fine. Um, gonna, we'll wait for that. Pick up. No, we're just gonna wait. It's fine because I can cut that all. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're heading to the custom house now. Some spirits did some shit. Yeah, probably. Probably. Um, uh, so there's also two little boys that can be heard running on the second floor by the employees of the main floor gift shop. Another story is the one of a young woman who was raped and killed in the building and is said to be buried out back. It's believed that her spirit haunts the staircase and that she has been seen sitting forlornly on the stairs. Uh, probably the most horrifying one for me that I read about things that have happened there was the spirits of 15 men that were buried alive in the tunnel between the house and the railway tracks when it collapsed on them. These men were homeless. Um, they had, nobody knew who they were or who their families were to contact. Um, so instead of taking their bodies out and having the city spend money on giving them a proper burial, they decided to just brick up the tunnel and leave them there. Um, you can still see where it was bricked up in the basement. So we'll get into the story of the dark lady. It's a sad story. Uh, and in the book Haunted Hamilton, Stephanie of Haunted Hamilton Tours and Ghost Walks tells the heartbreaking story. So I'm just going to take that excerpt right from the book. The dark lady is said to be the spirit of an unfortunate young English woman who had gotten herself pregnant and was then shunned in her home country. She was sent by ship to Canada to start a new life with her baby. While on the voyage, she had an affair with the ship's captain. She wanted them to stay together and wanted him to step in as the father of her child. This horrified him because of what it would do to his reputation. It's rumored that during a heated argument on the ship's deck, he killed her in a fit of rage, snuck her body into the custom house, and bricked it up behind a wall. Cool. And then I... <laughs> Good times. I wrote, talk about getting ghosted. <laughs> talk about getting ghosted. <laughs> Dang. Um, obviously, <laughs> thanks, guys. Obviously, <laughs> such a cheap one. Um, yeah. Because obviously, this man's reputation was way more important than this young woman and her baby's life, right? So, like, fuck this guy, right? Yeah, okay, totally great. fuck him. Uh, yeah. Now, <laughs> the weird thing is, the custom house does have a superfluous wall in the basement, but because of its historical designation, investigators aren't allowed to break it down to see if there's anyone buried behind it. Um, but then I also wrote, like, is there not, like, some kind of x-ray that they can use to look behind the wall? A brick wall? I don't know. Anyone know brick wall x-rays, Ian? No? You mean we don't have any, ex like, uh, wall x-ray? We should ask our other friend that does that, actually. <laughs> um, we'll let you guys know. Next, that's next fine. We'll episode. let you know. Yeah. Um, these are the questions I need answered. But for most people, the existence of the wall and the experiences that others have had in the building is proof enough. Um, so... Actually, stuff from Haunted Hamilton. I forgot to write this in here, but I did get a screenshot quickly of it, so I'm just going to get to it. She actually saw the dark lady there, and um, so she's the founder, again, co-founder of Haunted Hamilton Ghost Walks and Events. She expressed a particular affinity with the Custom House building. When she was a child, her father used to bring her to look at the beautiful architecture of the building, and um, the house is now a big part of the Ghost Walks uh, tour. Uh, yeah, the tour that's put yeah. on by Haunted Hamilton. She told the story that in Halloween of 2005, um, she was sitting in the main gallery, scraping a bit of wax off from one of the tables. It was right after one of their Halloween balls, actually, so she was cleaning up at the end of the night. Um, she heard a quiet creaking from the old wooden floors, and she was obviously familiar with the history and the spirits, and she 
decided she was going to look up, even though she was really scared, she said. She saw a woman sitting in a chair directly in front of her. She was there for just a moment before disappearing. She, um, yeah, that's that's what she saw. That's what she experienced. That's there. what she experienced. Um, some of the other things that people have experienced have been really freaky as well. She's said to have warned against moving a fireplace mantle during renovations in the 1990s. She told a workman there that if uh, they moved the mantelpiece that there was going to be a flood. Um, but they went ahead with their plans. They ignored her. And a pipe burst and it flooded the main floor and the basement the next day. A former tour guide with the Ghost Walks, um, his name was James Pettit. He was preparing for his tour one day. And he was sitting on the floor in a corner of the back room behind the Workers' Art and Heritage Center gift shop. He noticed a shadow on the wall, and he was thinking, like, did I didn't hear anyone come in here. Um, and he, as he looked up, he saw a shape of a woman's shadow that was formed inside of a stream of light that was coming through the room. Uh, he leaned over and saw that the room was empty, so he couldn't figure out where the shadow was coming from because there was nobody there to create it. Um, and... He the shadow grew bigger and then it faded away just as he heard more footsteps and those footsteps were the coordinator walking in telling him that it was time to start the tour. This next story I really like. So in 1997, two different days, what? Two different days. There's two different stories that took place in 1997 and it's definitely not a coincidence. So um, this happened. There was a local politician. He went to the Workers' Arts and Heritage Center for a speech, and he told a story to an older volunteer named Israel. So Israel uh, told everybody that in the seventies, in the seventies, this um, politician was just a kid. He was at the Marie Street School around the corner. One day, uh, the politician said, "One day I played hooky. I walked to Stewart Street and was going by the old Custom House. Back then, it was Naples Macaroni." I saw her on the second floor. A woman with dark hair was looking down at me. She looked so angry. I was already nervous about skipping. I felt like she was judging me, but the strangest part was she was transparent. I could see right through her. Then, and I know it sounds crazy, she disappeared. She didn't walk away. She was just gone. The politician did his speech and left, and Israel never forgot the story. A couple of months later, two older women visited the museum. They started talking with Israel. The conversation obviously led to ghosts, as it always does, I'm sure, when people go and visit the Custom mm -hmm. House. Um, funny you should mention the ghosts. We had an experience when we were kids in the 50s. We went to school around the corner, and one day we skipped a class. We walked around the corner and down Stewart Street and past the old Custom House. My friend saw her first, a woman looking down from... And then Israel cuts her off. What, so she's really against says, people skipping school? Is I this guess. the thing? Okay. The second floor? Yes. She was angry? Yes. And you could see right through her just before she disappeared. The woman was shocked and said yes. Oh. Yeah. So two different days, two different, two different experiences, the same woman in the same year. It's hard to believe that that's a coincidence. So it turns out that you, as I mentioned before, you can do ghost walks of the custom house with Haunted Hamilton and with ghostwalks.com. Not only that, but they also have investigation nights where you can use a Ouija board to try and communicate with the spirits there and count me the fuck Let's out. do it. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I got that. her a Ouija board pillow and her <laughs> parents were like, you're inviting them in here. And I was like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. 
Like fine. the spirits in. Uh, no, I, I will not play with a Ouija okay. board. Um, just because I'm not confident in my experience yeah, to fair. protect myself. Yeah, so fair. no thank you. Okay. So <laughs> during one of these seances in August of 2013, the board started acting weird. Something strong came through. Instead of pointing at the letters as it usually does, it started circling the letters very powerfully, said Daniel Cumerlato of ghostwalks.com. Um, the board started spelling out dark lady when the spirit was asked its name. Eventually it stopped answering questions and did something even more unusual. It was something I had never seen in 14 years of dealing with Ouija board communication. It said goodbye to us without being prompted. Whoa. So usually I'm pretty sure the people who are playing with the Ouija board say goodbye when they're done with their yeah, session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how they but end But the it. ghost was like, I'm no, done No, I'm you. done with you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But then it got weirder later on in the night. A teenage girl, she was about 16 or 17, uh, she fell physically ill. Then another girl who was about the same age also got sick. And um, uh, Cumulato said that it was as if the dark lady who was about her age when she was killed briefly possessed them. In October of 2013, there was another session and the spirit noted that it was not happy with the tours and the retelling of the dark lady legend. As well, two more girls became feeling sick. Um, so, like, maybe we just won't go on the tour. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> Is that uh, the one you asked me to go on? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Cumulato <laughs> said that he started another session with fewer people involved, and the board spelled out, The Dark Lady Hates the Poem. Now, the poem that this is referring to is a poem that was written in 1873 called Dark Lady by Alexander Wingfield, and Cumulato used to recite it at his tours. And I have the poem, and I'm going to read it to you guys right now. So, it's called Dark Lady. Who is rocking out? I want to know. <laughs> Invite them in. No, I'm just no, kidding. I, just, I don't understand where it's coming from. Oh, it's, it's the obviously or the shitty potty. That's fine. I don't know what it is. Okay, so, the ghosts long ago used to dress in pure white. Now they've got a different track, for the Hamilton ghost seems to take a delight to stroll around the city in black. Pat Duffy, who saw her in Corktown last night, has been here today telling his friend that she stood seven feet tall and nine inches in height and wore a large Gratian bend. A peeler who saw her turned blue with a fright, and in terror he clung to a post— His hair, once a carroty red, had turned white since the moment he locked on the ghost. Her breath seemed as hot as a furnace besides. It smelt strongly of sulfur and gin. Two horns a yard long stuck straight out of her head, and her hoofs made great clatter and din. Her air was majestic and terribly grand, and she passed muffled up in a veil. A bottle of ruin she held in each hand, and she uttered a low plaintive wail. I have mixed in the world with spirits and men. Once more with the spirits, I'll go. She stopped, took a sniff of the ruin, and then she popped into a cellar below. He could hear her again crying out from her den, Tonight you will see me no more, but I'll meet you Saturday evening at 10 by the fountain that stands in the gore. Uh, So the poem is very angry towards her. It describes her as the devil and uh, Cumulato said that it was a powerful enough message that he has stopped reciting the poem during his tours. Hmm, 
the following story was submitted by a reader to torontoghosts.org. I helped to rebuild the custom house when it first became a martial arts college. Some of the people who worked there felt uneasy around the vault in the basement and on the upper floor. One even claims to have seen a dark shadow crossing the basement. I recently visited the house to see the Italian labor exhibit and... Right? We should go! (laughs) We're Italian. Yeah, you guys didn't know. And to see the changes that had been made to the house since I had worked on it. Surprisingly, one of the employees told me that he had had a short conversation with the dark lady who asked him what they were doing to her house. When he explained that it had been what oh my goodness when he explained that it was to become an exhibition place for the laborers of Ontario she smiled and disappeared with so much tragedy and horror surrounding the custom house it's no wonder that it's being haunted by the spirits whose bodies still rest there and that is the story of the dark lady cool yeah thanks yeah, guys yay <laughs> yay good one thanks girl good one <laughs> i do kind of still want to go like, I'll go over not on a Ouija board night. Yeah, Question that's in the that's back. Oh, you want to go? Wanna okay, come. <laughs> yeah, you can come too. <laughs> I thought we were. Oh, we're gonna all just go now. Yeah, right we're just gonna all we're head just out. Gonna go. Okay, cool. I'm ahead out. Like we're um, gonna do our own investigation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, as most of you know, Hamilton has its fair share of drinking establishments. What you may not know is that many of these popular spots are also home to a number of local ghosts. In today's podcast, I've decided to take you guys on a bit of a paranormal pub crawl, if you will, um, across the city of Hamilton. I will be retelling the stories of three haunted buildings that have reported paranormal sightings by locals, pub owners, and employees. These stories were revised to suit this podcast from the book Haunted Hamilton, The Ghosts of Dundurn Castle and Other Steel Town Shivers by Mark Leslie. So without further delay, here we go. Our first stop on this ghostly pub crawl (laughs) is where you'll find our resident ghost, Harvey. You see, Harvey resides in a bar on Houston Street called The Works, once called The Works, or as many of you know it now, The Spice Factory. I'm pretty sure (laughs) two of you guys are going there tonight, so have fun. Tell Harvey we said hello. (laughs) Um, Both customers and staff of the works have reported seeing or feeling Harvey over the course of the bar's lifespan. But as far as ghosts go, Harvey is a friendly and well-accepted resident ghost. Patrons of the works were quite tolerant of Harvey, and perhaps that's because they know what it feels like to be different. You see, the works was a gay bar. The customers and staff were an outgoing, friendly, and accepting group, open-minded and happy to accept people for who and what they were, even ghosts, apparently. (laughs) Harvey was thus just another visitor to their world, one who has looked on from the great beyond and rarely ever caused any sort of fuss. But of course, as with any ghost story, he has not gone without his share of spooks. Harvey was regularly seen by customers and staff near the back of the bar and near the women's washrooms. Sometimes his presence was merely felt in terms of a sudden cold brush of something moving past. Other times he was seen looking in the window from the alley. The strangest part of this sighting is the height of the window would require Harvey to be floating three or four feet above the alley floor. Yeah, spooky shit. (laughs) Other sightings included Harvey starting and stopping the vacuum cleaner as if playing with it and testing it out. He was also well known for turning the lights back on after the bar manager turned all the lights off at the end of the night. 
The former bar manager at the works, Mike uh, Panopoulos, said that on more than one occasion, after turning all the lights off, leaving the bar, and then going back to get something he'd forgotten, he would walk back in to see that all the lights were turned back on. Panopoulos explained that Harvey is likely the ghost of a custodian who lived in the apartment building where the works was located, but died in a fire in the back of the building. Another tale involving Harvey involved a few employees who were casually chatting after the bar closed for the night. In the middle of the chatter, the piano in the saffron room started to play. They thought it was strange since the door to that room had been locked and there was nobody else in the building. As they went to investigate, the piano music kept playing up until the point that they unlocked the door and opened it. When they threw open the door, the music abruptly stopped and nobody and found nobody in the room. Ugh. Yeah. Phantom Imagine that happened like creepy. at end zone, like we just like walked in like <laughs> the kitchen and like no one was there and like you heard, I don't know. Someone singing. A banjo playing. A banjo playing something, you know. Someone someone playing the triangle, possibly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Possibly. Um, So not much else is known about Harvey, the ghost custodian, but you might just see or hear a story about Harvey today if you head on down to the building, which I've been told is where some of our audience members are heading right after this recording. So be sure. It's okay. So be sure to keep an eye out, guys, and let us know if you see or hear our man Harvey. Um... Let us know. Yeah. Yeah. Write in. Yeah. Yeah. The second. Write in. Yeah. Write in. Paranormalpod at gmail.com. Thank you. (laughs) Sorry. The second haunted pub well known to the Hamilton scene is a pub located on 25 Augusta Street known as the Winking Judge. The atmosphere at Augusta's Winking Judge is devoted to good beer and good times, but it also offers something more. For many years, the Winking Judge has been home to a number of supernatural visitors. In fact, more than 50 sightings of the ghost of an elderly man have been reported by staff and patrons of the judge. The man is seen dressed in a dark suit and a top hat, which suggests he is originally from a long time past and can be seen in the window of the men's washroom on the upper floor. He is also seen from the other windows on the main floor, but most often is haunting the men's washroom. Suddenly appearing out of nowhere, silent and eerie, and and then vanishing the next. Maria Italia, the bar owner... Me, Maria yeah. Italia, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the bar owner explained that this elderly, dark man, who is the most often seen ghost in the pub, isn't the only one. Some people have experienced what they thought was a cat brushing up against their legs, thinking the bar had its own resident oh my pet. God. But by the time they would reach down to stroke the animal, they'd find nothing there. Oh my God, I thought you were going to say it was just like the man petting yes, their the man. <laughs> Yeah. It's the ghost of the man. That's scary to me, so. (laughs) Um, Maria recounts her own daughter having interesting conversations by herself when she was about two years old. When she was questioned um, about who she was speaking to, the little girl would simply answer that she was talking to the man. The ongoing paranormal sightings at the Winking Judge even led Maria and her husband Bill Ray to welcome a team of paranormal investigators to check things out. The organization was called the Southern Ontario Paranormal Society, which involved investigating the site with more than 5,000 in equipment to attempt to document or record what is called hotspots or ghostly, of ghostly activity. And they do this for free, so like they're like not paid to like try Got and it. prove a point or anything like that. Um, after spending a long night in the, in the bar with half a dozen investigators and three sensitives who are psychics attuned to feel otherworldly activity and presences, the team recorded something that hadn't been heard before, 
and was also picked up by two independent recording devices in the basement. Although slightly obscured by the hum of a nearby refrigerator, the recording picked up a childlike voice saying, I hear you. No. No. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) That is too A Hamilton resident by the name of Randy Hines, which for some reason sounds familiar. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Says he wasn't surprised to learn that the pub was haunted. After reading about the investigation in the Hamilton Spectator, he contacted reporter Mark McNeil to add some more context to the contemporary experiences. So before it was converted into a business establishment, the building used to be a home. Hines said that his grandparents used to live in the house from the mid-1930s until the mid-1970s, and that as a child, he always felt it was haunted. He reportedly heard things such as footsteps walking upstairs and recalls being warned by his grandfather not to go up into the attic because the man, known as Gord, would get him. Oh, God. If Gord is indeed the, the name of the man in the dark suit and the top hat, the ghost seems to have mellowed over the years, as he is now merely a spirit who is content to mingle in a place where spirits of the natural world flow quite freely each and every night. Mm. Play on words there. Good for you. you. <laughs> um, so our final, not yet. <laughs> the third and final stop on our paranormal pub crawl is the Coach and Lantern British Pub. This pub sits on a busy street. This one's really like dark, really dark. Oh, God. On a busy street in downtown Ancaster amid trendy boutique shops and beautiful stands, sandstone buildings. It's like literally two doors away from where my husband works oh really yeah i did not know that and i have been there so now i'm afraid oh continue be afraid be very afraid thanks (laughs) most people who pass the third oldest building in ancaster might marvel at the classic stone look and front fence with a wrought iron archway that leads through the patio and entrance but they are likely unaware of the bloody history of the site nor of the ghosts that roam around inside originally built in the 1700s the building at 384 Wilson Street burned down and was rebuilt in 1823. But between those times, the land bore witness to what is known as the Bloody Assize in Upper, Ham- up- upper Canada. Oh my God. I'm going to interject really quick. Yeah, go again. for it. You told me I could. Yeah, you can. <laughs> you can. Anybody ever play Pokemon Go when it came out? There's a Pokestop. Called <laughs> um, the Bloody Assize? Yes. What? It's, yeah, there's like a plaque. I know, right? I'm really cool. You guys, I promise I'm a very cool person. Um, 30 years old, still catching Pokemon. Um, no, there's like a plaque dedicated okay. to it. All there. right. Yeah. Well, and it, it is a Pokestop. You can catch Charmander and all of his pals. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I won't be doing it. You can. Though. Which was... <laughs> So, um, the, the bloody assize in Upper Canada was a series of trials held during the War of 1812. During the war, a number of settlers from the Niagara and London region had taken up arms against their neighbors. Several groups were taken prisoner, and in 1814, 15 of the 19 people charged were found guilty, and eight of them were executed in an utterly barbaric fashion. Justice Thomas Scott's execution order on the site included a centuries-old British-style punishment for treason. On June 21st, 1814, Scott pronounced this sentence for eight of the men. Oh God, I'm so afraid right now. You are to be drawn on hurdles to a place of ed- execution. Once you are to be hanged by the neck, but not until you are dead, for you must be cut down while alive and your entrails taken out and burnt before your faces. Your heads then then to be cut off and your bodies divided into four quarters to be at the king's disposal. May God have mercy on your souls. This is 
sadistic. Yes, extremely. The following month, the men were transported all the way down to the gallows that was located across the street where Dundurn Castle now stands. So while they they were not killed on that spot, it was near that very location where the fates were sealed. In 1832, the building was rebuilt for George Rousseau, and in in the 1870s, it became the Old Union Hotel. It was converted into apartments in in the 1950s, and in 1980, it was converted yet again into a restaurant. The original owners of the restaurant experienced a resident ghost who they described as an old man in his 60s, slouched over as if he was working in a field. They believed he was a farmer or a caretaker who had died in one of the fires that destroyed the original building. He wore a plaid shirt and burlap pants with a tired expression on his face. These first owners were allegedly frightened to stay in the building alone at any time, day or night. So they sold it. Um, The most recent owner, Bob Conway, is said to have also encountered a ghost. During one instance, when the bar was closed, Conway moved behind the counter in an effort to teach himself the art of pouring a beer from a tap. However, he was startled when he looked up from his task and saw a man sitting in the bar, wearing a pair of old-fashioned green overalls, and who then quickly vanished from sight. Conway reported that a waitress also saw a man lingering near the end of the bar one evening after the bar had closed. When she spotted him, he turned and headed down the hallway as if towards the washrooms. She followed him, but was shocked to note that he too simply vanished from sight. In another instance, a woman who was feeding her grandson in a room upstairs overheard the distinct voice of a man over her shoulder that said, What a beautiful baby! Startled, the woman turned around, but to her surprise discovered that no one was there. Local psychic and clairvoyant Michelle Stableford reports having seen the same man that Conway did on one of his earliest visits to the on one of her earliest visits to the pub. She had been sitting with a friend at one of the tables when she spotted a man in green coveralls walking across the room. The man turned, glanced at Stableford, and then continued walking across the room and through the wall. Stableford, who had become used to seeing extraordinary things her entire life, said she also received a distinct impression of the letter J upon seeing the ghost, believing that his name might be John. Okay. Bob Conway further reported that more than one staff member has experienced an encounter with the supernatural in his pub, which I find this is the creepiest thing. One cook was scared off by the constant approaching rush of footsteps in his direction. No way. I wanted to have audio for this and like have it like playing, <laughs> but I didn't didn't have it. Natalie just runs through the room. <laughs> <laughs> and a dishwasher left after exclaiming that he simply couldn't take the oh rushing of, God. of steps so anymore. Steps. Conway says, before I bought this place, I was very skeptical of ghosts and ghost stories. But I'm a little less skeptical now. Yeah, I guess. So next time you happen to hit up one of these local establishments, be sure to stay on the lookout for Harvey Gord and the man in the green overalls. Or who knows, maybe an invisible visible cat will brush up against you. Mm. And yeah, you can blame the booze all you want, but deep down you'll know it was just another one of Hamilton's famous ghosts stopping in for a schooner and a spook. Okay. Yeah, good job. <laughs> Has anyone experienced any ghosts in the pubs yeah. that she was talking about? Anyone? Or in another pub? Um, Marie has a story. My husband's best friend, his only friend. No, his best friend. That's <laughs> 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 so mean. <laughs> he worked at the Pheasant Plucker, and he told us that when he was working upstairs, because you can rent out the upstairs, I think, there, 
um, he was cleaning up, and behind him he could hear somebody walking, like, past him. Mm. And so he just said, like, we're closed, sorry, and then turned around and there was nobody there. Um, And then when I went to eat lunch there not that long ago, actually on their menus they have the story of the ghost that haunts there. Yeah. So the next time you guys, if you ever go there, you can read the story of the ghost that haunts the pheasant plucker as well. Cool. Yeah. Does anyone have any ghost stories or anything like paranormal that's ever happened to them that they want to share? Nope. Cool. We're going to share Ashley's? (laughs) Pardon? We're going to share Ashley's? Oh, yeah. I have a story. A girl that was going to come, she wrote me. um, So this happened in Hamilton as well. So she said that we could use her story um, to tell you guys. Okay, so we went to high school with this girl, and she said that these paranormal events all took place in the childhood home that her parents still live in. Her dad bought the house on Montclair Avenue back in the 70s. It's over 100 years old, and the original owner built it for his wife as a wedding gift, and the wife passed away in the house. And then she just wrote fast forward to when I was nine years old. I was in my bedroom that was designed for two people. There are two closets, one on each side, and you can put two twin beds on each side up against the walls, so ideally two people. And the house being so old and having all of its original hardware and etc., the doors all kind of stuck, so you really had to pull them to get them open. They all had keyholes, like from way back in the day, and they found some of the keys to these doors while they were cleaning up. She had a bunk bed. Uh, She was on the bottom bunk facing her bedroom door, back to the left closet door, studying for one of her tests. She suddenly got this horrible, scared feeling that someone was behind her, but she felt that she should not turn around. Right when she thought about turning around, the closet door that is really hard to open swung the fuck open so hard and fast, like someone on the inside booted the door down. It hit my bookshelf, breaking it, and all of my books fell. I was stuck in a state of, I can't move, but finally was able to, and I didn't look back. I ran down three floors to the basement I knew my dad was in and told him what had happened. He looked a bit in disbelief, but came back up with me and helped me clean up and said to study in the dining room instead. My parents have a very old stand-up piano that was my mom's grandfather's and probably now about 80 years old. Beautiful woodwork, and you can't move it for nothing. Anyway, every night around the same time, I would see a man with a hat sitting at the piano as if playing it, and my sister would also see this man. On the landing of our staircase on the main floor, you can see a woman in white with no face. We're pretty sure it's the woman who died in the house. When my sisters were in elementary school, I was helping them clean their room, which is the room that that was for two people that she talked about earlier. Uh, I was telling my sister, Anna, about the experience I had in grade four, and she didn't believe me. And I said, I swear to God it happened. And she said, well, nothing's ever happened to me. And right then, the light went out. But not the bulb, the switch turned off. Uh, I saw her jaw drop, so I flicked it back on and said, do it again. And the switch flicked down again. Shut the hell up. Yeah. I, That's awesome. I know. I was like, why weren't we closer in high school? I want to see this house. I grew up, I went to high school to, with her too. Oh, yeah. I lived around the corner. Yeah. And I started laughing. My sister ran so fast out of her room. My friend is a medium and she came over with her kids to my son's birthday and she refused to go into the basement. She said that there was a demon down there. Oh. 
And I remember after being adopted and coming to the house, my parents brought us in the basement that they were finishing and what's now a spare bedroom. There was an old slat-like door with chains and a lock on it. And when you opened it, the room was all concrete and rocks. I remember having a horrible, sick feeling looking in there. So I told my friend, I might know what you're talking about. Will you even go down the stairs with me and just point to where you feel the evil feeling is coming from? Finally, after begging for over an hour and her trembling, she came downstairs. We went down slowly and through the railing, she extended her arm and pointed to the corner where the spare cellar room is and said, it's in there, and then ran upstairs and ran out of my house. My twin brother and younger twin sister both tried to sleep in that room when it was finished and they never got through even one night. They said they had nightmares in there. My grandmother from day one told my parents she didn't like the house and it didn't feel right. And as an adult, she told me she feels the house is the cause of our mood swings. <laughs> um, I should add, my son is super sensitive like me. And when we lived with my parents for a few months after my divorce, he said ghosts would come and wake him up. And one of them was a little girl who wanted to play with him in my sister's room. Uh, and he said that she's in the closet. As well, he would see my no-no after he passed away, and he comes and wakes him up to say hi to him. <laughs> and one other time, he said that a man with no face would stand at the edge of the bed, and he would just put the covers over his face, and when he would peek out, it would still be there. So I had to tell it to leave him alone, and I just prayed to my no-no and the angels to protect him. Um, but since moving out, he only sees my no-no, and I just see other ghosts that are in the house that I rent now. Oh, cool. And that is Just Ashley's story. Nice. Yeah. Good one, Ash. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Okay, cool. I think we can wrap up the episode. Do you want to do our game at the end or no? Do we? Well, who do we want to do? I, I I figure we can just pick three people and okay. then we can just... Okay, let's do it. You In the Hamilton... Yeah, famous Hamiltonians? Yeah, so... Okay, so at the end okay. of every episode, if no one's listened to <laughs> Paranormal before, we play a game called Fuck, Mary Kill. Where we <laughs> pick ghosts or people who are, yeah, like spooky people and decide what, or, or people related to the area. Yeah. So this one we're going to do famous, famous Hamiltonians. So it's not, not deceased ones. Not deceased ones, just the ones. Just famous people. Just living Hamilton. ones, yeah. Usually I pick three people and she picks three people, but let's just pick three people and we give our answers for the same. Okay. Three. Sounds good. I'm looking in the text you sent me right now. Oh. You can, you can pick the three. Okay, so with Eugene Levy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> naturally, great. Martin Short. Of course. <laughs> um, and I don't know who the last one was um these two oh nicole arbor yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> there's two to pick from she picked that one. <laughs> um that's yeah let's not say so who would you like fuck Mary kill of those i doing... feel like we should pick rick campanelli instead oh rick campanelli yeah. instead of nicole arbor <laughs> instead of nicole okay arbor. we'll do rick campanelli so we'll start so martin short eugene levy or rick campanelli yeah okay so i'll sleep with rick campanelli Mm. No, I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> I can't let I can't kill Martin Short or Eugene Levy. No, we can't way too kill funny. their national treasures. Uh, then I'll marry Martin Short and I'll have sex with Eugene Levy. Yeah, have sex with Eugene that's Levy all day. That's your choice. Yeah. I would well. marry I would okay. marry Rick Campanelli though. I think you I would, would marry. I know kill Martin life. Short. I might kill Martin Short. Wow. I'm sorry. Okay. I feel like he's had his day. Okay. <laughs> um, I just respectfully disagree. Respectfully. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry. And uh, yeah, I guess that's, that's the end of our Guys, episode. Thank you thank for joining us for this live episode. Paranormal. 
again, you're the real ones. And stay spooky. Stay spooky. That was showbiz, baby. That showbiz, baby. Okay, fine.